If you will, turn with me to the 14th chapter of Revelation. I guess as far as I know, I finished up that that we've been on for six times, I think, six, six messages. I'll call them six talks. I don't know. I hope they became or will become messages to you. Revelation 14. has nothing to do with a description of any of the things that are mentioned in this chapter or even in the book but I just want to draw from one verse and that's verse number 13 and the title is not even found in the in the verse, though you will see it plainly identifies that which I want to deal with. And that's things which follow death. From the 13th verse of Revelation 14. Things which follow death. Before we before we read, and I want I want us to begin reading in verse number nine. But before we do, would you bow with me as we seek the Lord? Our Father, in your extended mercy and grace to us. You've committed us together again. Now help that this will not one day be a greater condemnation against us. But that from thy word and by thy spirit we might strive to meet you in peace acceptance so I pray you might have the speaker and the hearer this evening everyone here Lord because this leaves out no one absolutely no one so I pray you to help us to the glory of Christ our Lord in his name we pray Amen beginning with verse number 9 Revelation 14 9 and the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice if any man worship the beast in his image 
and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now no one would ever consider that those that will be under the eternal condemnation and judgment of God tormented with fire and brimstone that they would ever be in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and yet they are David said though I send up into heaven Thou art there, if I make thy bed in hell, behold, thou art there. One of the great torments of hell is the eternal presence of Almighty God and of the Lamb that folk have not yielded to. Verse 11, And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day nor night. Worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Things which follow death. Now, John states one, that is, your works. I do not think that I will, will get to that this evening. And before I even get to the first of, of these things that I would like to mention to you, we begin with this, whatever you believe. One thing that all of you know, there are just too many evidences out there for you not to know this. That is, you shall die. Cemeteries, the funeral homes, the emergency rooms, Death is all about us. But with all these things, is it not amazing how that we can put it out of our minds? We don't want to think about it. And we can fill up our days with this never entering into 
our minds. And if it does, we're not going to let it linger. We're going to move it out of the way or cover it up with something as modern psychology says, well, you need to think on that which is cheerful and that which brings happiness and these things. Won't argue with that. Paul said, whatever's true, lovely, of good report, pure. But notice that he put the word true there. If it is true, you are to give thought to it. For only the dumb beasts out there have no knowledge that they're going to die. And yet man in our society has taken on more of their identity in that aspect. We just don't consider it. We're like the days of Noah, eating, drinking, marrying, giving our sons and our daughters in marriage. And as in the days of Noah, they knew not. They didn't know when the door of the ark was shut, neither did they care that it was shut. Noah's declaring something that will not be rain. And can you imagine the startled look on their faces? Maybe not when the first drop hit them, though that would be unusual for it had never happened to them before. But when rain set in, and 24 hours later it's still raining, and it's rained enough in the, in the few days that the old ark begins to rise. They think the old man might have known what he was saying. And they go knock on the door. But Noah couldn't do anything about it. Even if he, even if he tried, God shut the door. Too late, they believed. And throughout life, they spent it in nothing more than that which the brute beasts of the fields fill up their lives. Christ told you, Luke 21, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time any of you, any of your hearts should be overcharged. In serpenting, in drunkenness, and the cares of this life, so that that day comes upon you unawares. You ought not to let a day go by, though you will. I probably will. But it's more of a reality to me today than it was 20 years ago. So you ought to begin now. Seeing that if you cannot let a day go by without thinking, I will face God. I will die. Hebrews 9, it is appointed unto men once to die. 
one time. After that, the judgment. When your time comes, it does not matter how brilliant that the surgeon or the doctor that's looking after you may be, or all the instruments that they've got you hooked up to to maintain life. It does not matter when your time, it is appointed unto men once to die. Then eternity sets in. Now, folks, the only way that you will go through life without any thought of facing God is to block out the light of the Creator. You came into this world with that light. Jesus said, This is a light that lighteth all men, or John did. Lighteth all men that cometh into the world. Just look around at the things all about you. And yet without seeing or hearing the voice of God in creation. Because somehow or another whether we will accept, even admit this to have the least bit of reality in it, evolution has had great effect upon us. And things out there have lost their voice to you. You won't accept this, but somewhere in your mind there's the idea that Billions of years ago, some catastrophic event happened that threw a little piece of matter off out into space. And it began collecting other matter and spinning round and round until one day there was the earth or other planets. And over billions of years, the mountains were formed, and the rivers and the oceans and the lakes. Air, rain, light, darkness. But that, that light might not be so destructive to human life that would one day be upon this giant ball great light up there that rules by day there's going to be an ozone to protect human life from those ultraviolet rays billions of years ago upon billions there was nothing and our planet evolved before life Then there was a sun that would hold it in place, but not really. I mean, for four days, this giant mass was just hung out there in space. No gravitational attraction from any other object to hold it in the place where God put it. It's just out there, spinning around. 
then grass and the herbs because there'd be animals one day so it had to produce these things vegetation for their survival to provide for the beast that would one day roam upon this whole earth for millions and millions of years before man ever got here there had to be that out there that came from nothing now today you walk through the woods and there's the oak tree and the elm and the maple and the poplar and the pine. How all these varieties got here from nothing. Well, we really, we really don't, don't know. They, just a coincidence. The fruit trees. The peach. The nectarine, the plum, the apple, the pomegranate, the vines with the muscadines and grapes. You said, well, man made a lot of these. Man, man did through cross-pollination bring into existence different varieties of apples and of peaches. But they had to have an apple tree to work with to begin this. And they had to have a peach tree and a plum tree to cross. These things out there. The little bluebird evolved from nothing. But at the same time or near about when it... When it came into existence and that little heart beat for the first time, there had to be either a male or a female being created, not created, but being evolved somewhere so that little bluebirds and redbirds and mockingbirds and blue jays and sparrows and the great eagles and owls, all these things. But then there was this, there was this freak accident. And just out of nowhere, there was this huge sea creature whose scales were so thick that iron wouldn't penetrate. And on earth, another this long-legged animal with an egg that could reach several yards into the air. Look around and there's this giant ele- elephant. All came about, scientists say, by the evolution, by the process of evolution. The crocodile and the lizards the ants, the hawks, all. And out of nothing came the earth, out of nothing came the sun, the moon and the stars, the grass, the herbs, all the plants.
plans to provide for all this, and then the highest of all, all of this, man eventually evolved. Oh, what a garden that he had to live in. Yet, we've lost God amidst the wonders of his creation. And I would bring you back to the creator of all things. And to the one that holds you responsible for everything that he has provided for you. For your good, for your comfort, for your well-being, for the benefit, for life itself. He said, I'll give you these many years to see what you do with me and with my son. Now you can block out death. Judgment, facing God, by activity, keeping noise running through your head. You can, you can block out facing God by the carelessness and indifference to this thought. But it matters not whether you can block it out for a lifetime or for a day. You can't do away with it. You can block it out by an active lifestyle. Just stay busy. From the waking moment to the last conscious thought at night. Just keep the mind active. And you don't have to think about facing God. You also dull the edge of this by fixing a God that you like, that you can live with, one that's easy, not too demanding upon you. And for one of the Horrible, horrible things that has happened and can be happening to every one of us is how silent and inactive man's conscience has become. It just doesn't bother you anymore. Sad how distant God is from us. Sad how little the great creator of all things. The few little things that I've mentioned and that which we'll never know about in time that God created. And yet how little this God is. And sad is how small a part. He has become in your daily lives. In Him we live, we move, we have our existence, our being. 
Yet that's beyond recognition or relevance or importance. That God created me. That God has sustained this long. That God let me live in rebellion for years. That God let me go my own way. How little. That resonates with our mind. How little God is. How little we need Him. Folks, don't let something serious happen where you need to get a hold of God. And you got a hundred things in your heart that you got to get straightened out before you can pray. Some, it, it, it almost had to be 30 years ago or longer. This is all about going to. But I was in the pastor's heart, a pastor's house, pardon me, along with a few other guests, all of us a good ways from home. And one there asked him if he would go with them. And we all heard what he asked him to do. We all knew it's going to take him a couple of hours to do what this one asked him to do. And that meant leaving several guests. And he was sitting over there at the edge of the table and... I saw him grow silent. Seemed like for a long time, but it was probably only but a few minutes. Then he said, I'll go with you. I knew what he was doing. He was getting permission from God to go. Is God that serious? Is the will of God that serious in your life? That you need permission. We live for the most part our days. Now fish things a bit, you can you can throw rocks at me later or forgive me. If it hits more than it should. But we live for the most part as practicing atheists, agnostics. Purely humanistic agents. Oh, God.
God saved us, but ever since God saved us, we've been on this little merry-go-round called life. We don't need Him. Folk, the greatest danger in our world is not the professing atheists out there, but professing Christians who live as if there is no God. It was not Madeleine O'Hara that caused the great damage by raising up and getting her case carried all the way to the Supreme Court in 1962 to rid prayer out of public schools. What was not her, it was professing Christians who could not be sought nor light, whose life was so ineffective as far as a witness that these things could take place in our government. A nation founded upon biblical principles. Pilgrims, Puritans, risking their lives and the lives of their families to come over here and establish a place where they could worship God in freedom had degenerated into that where our Supreme Court said you can't pray in public anymore. It wasn't her fault, it was the church's fault. If we'd had a voice, hers would never have been heard. Matthew 5, 13 and 14. Our Lord Jesus. And folks, the reason she was heard is because the church was not the light it ought to be in this nation. Matthew 5, 13, ye are the salt of the earth, you, my people, salt, that which preserves, that which keeps from decay, from rot. But if the salt have lost its savor, Wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The great decline in Christianity did not start when she stood up and said, There is no God. By the way, she was baptized into the Presbyterian Church, I think, at the age of six. She just got tired of religion. 
would not have God ruling over her. So she thought she would attack God. Now, one senator from Texas, I think he was from Texas, when Stephen Hawkins died, made the comment, I guess he's found out there is a God. He was, he was ridiculed across the nation. One thing you rest assured of, she's, she met the God she said did not exist. And she met the God that she tried to destroy in the public's eye. And she did a great job of doing it. But it wasn't her ability to do that. The great decline in practical Christianity had already set in before the 60's ever got here. She just arose as a voice of the atheist, but if the church had been salt and light, she never would have had a voice in this nation. Crime started in the 1920s. Arthur Pink left, is either 33 or 34 in the United States. He says, I can't find a congregation or practical Christianity left in America anymore. Most of some of you won't have a faintest idea about this statement, but eternity is quickly gobbling up time. It's moving at a pace unheard of. Not that time is any faster today than it was when our great-grandparents were in the world, but they had such simple lives that they had the fullness of the day. You don't have 30 minutes to yourself. So eternity, it's just swooped down like a giant eagle to gobble up this little old rabbit. That's so swift in maneuvering. But eternity's getting it it's just fleeing so much faster now than it was when I was the age of these little boys here and the world's got so much of our attention and our interest that the day is gone before you realize it. Now, this that I've just said means nothing to these young ones. Their days are so long. The school year is so, so long. There is such a great distance of time from one birthday to another birthday or from one Christmas to another that it seems it will never get here. 
days long to them. And a year is exceedingly a long amount of time. So it means nothing to them when I say time's flying. It means little to you who are under the generation below me. You do not yet realize how fast, how rapid it is flying. You live from a Monday to a Friday, and you work, and the weeks long because you are anticipating a day or a day and a half off. And you live from vacation to vacation, and it's such a long, drawn-out period of time. You're just stuck in this little wheel going round and round to work, back home, work again, get a little done and it's bedtime, get up, work again. And you're just you're just in this little rat race. And it's a long weeks, a long time to you. So it means little to you what I'd said. But you get past middle age and it begins to speed up. I mean, last week was Christmas to me and it's already May. But to these little ones it seems like Christmas was two years ago. And to you who have to buy for the little ones, It's getting here in a hurry for you. So you lose God amidst life itself. You can put off facing God. You can put off eternity. Well, I got... I'll have my life later on to get everything straightened out. You might not. God told you you don't have, you're not promised tomorrow. You might not. All right, let me begin and I'll just give you one and close tonight. I want a little over on that. And the first thing that I tell you, it's so obvious and so simple that I seem almost foolish for stating it. One of the things that follows at death is eternal life. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. There's no ifs, ands, buts, maybes. No, you're going to. In heaven, time will not exist. It'll be like, it'll be like children out playing. They lose, they lose consciousness of the clock on the wall. And they're sitting in that classroom, bored to death, they're watching that clock. 
second will seem like a thousand years. If you believe what I am telling you, you need in earnestness to seek God not only for your own self, but for all these little ones and those in your family. Everybody is headed to an eternal existence. God told Adam, in the day that thou eatest of that fruit, you shall die. Neither Adam or Eve physically died that day. But here's what he literally said. In dying, thou shalt die. That day, after that first bite, both became mortal. And not only capable of dying physically, but they died that day spiritually. And physical death began to eat away at physical life. The sentence of death was passed upon them because God told them, you shall not eat. Though they walked out as living, as living beings, spiritually they died. For God told a lie. But folks, listen, in dying, thou shalt die. That's hell in itself. I've told you before, but I used to as a youngster think, if I could go to hell and spend a million years there and then get out, that'd be all right. I'd have something to look forward to. But I knew I couldn't. And I knew at death all hope's gone. And dying... In dying, you die, you die daily, not for a million or a billion years, but throughout all eternity. And some of you said, isn't that a little excessive for the punishment of the few little sins I've done? No, you sinned against an eternal God. You can't pay for that. Spend ten eternities in hell. You can't pay for your sins. Yet up until that day, every day, every how many years they they lived in that garden before they sinned, up until that day, every day was filled with new heights and new growth within. Nothing. Absolutely nothing impeded their, their growth and development in God. You say, well, they were created perfect. That's true. 
And they had a vast knowledge, but they did not know all about God that they could know. Though they were perfect, they were not as God. And they could grow in nothing. Little birds flying around taught them of God. The breeze blowing through the trees there in the garden, the fruit, the blossoms and the fruit and the dead of winter taught them of God. The river flowing, dividing itself into four giant streams all taught them of God. But they ate now nothing. Nothing taught them of God. They saw God in the birds. They saw God in the sunlight and the stars, the moonlight. They saw God in the fruit. They saw God in the breeze. They saw God in the river flowing. Now they don't see God in anything. They just go out and pick up their their hole. And start trying to dig up thorns briars to their face. His soaked, their clothes soaked with sweat. Because they're under the curse of God. Give you two and I close. Really, really quickly. We'll try to comment on these verses. John 11. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said, This is unto her that is Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Dead in trespasses and sin, yet shall he live. That's eternal life. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. That's hard to grasp. But I leave you these two, First Thessalonians 4. It's 12 or 13. Paul said, them that sleep in Jesus. They didn't die. They just fell on sleep. That's what it said in Acts 13. David served his generation according to the will of God and fell on sleep. Death has no hold to the children of God. We just go to sleep. Except our soul. The soul wings its, its way off out yonder into eternity. One day this old body, that if the Lord tarries, will have decayed back to the dust from which God created it. 
God will assemble every particle. And you'll be like Job one day. In this body I shall see God. We'll get into that later on, Lord willing.